Chicken on a Stick presents. Persistence of Vision. The first Academy Awards, presented by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, was hosted by the president of the Academy, Douglas Fairbanks. The first ceremony honored films released between August 1st, 1927 and July 31st, 1928. It happened on May 16, 1929, at a private dinner held at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles, California. 270 people attended this event, which lasted 15 minutes. The ceremony was not broadcast on either radio or television. Twelve categories got awarded, and the winners were announced three months in advance. The big category was Outstanding Picture. The name would change several times over the decades, but is what we now know as Best Picture. Best Picture is what we're here to talk about. I've seen many videos come up recently talking about watching all currently 95 winners of this category. Well, I've decided to do one step more. Watching nearly all 591 films that have been nominated for this prestigious award. This will be a long journey, but I've been watching pretty much all of the nominees since the 86th ceremony in 2014, and I've seen many more just throughout my life. So I've watched a good chunk of that 591 already. However, this is about watching them all, and I'll be re-watching those I've seen before and experiencing new films for the first time, from little-known movies of the early days all the way up to the biggest releases of today. So join me as I go through this. And this might evolve along the way, but for now I plan on tackling a single year at a time as we go through the 95 years of the Oscars. As there are only three outstanding picture nominees in the first year, I think we should start with a little bit of history. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences was established in 1927 by Louis B. Mayer, founder of the Louis B. Mayer Pictures Corporation, which would later become part of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, or MGM. Mayer's purpose in creating the awards was to unite the five branches of film industry, actors, directors, producers, technicians, and writers. According to Mayer, the Academy was founded largely to combat unionization, while the award show itself was seen as a way of controlling Hollywood. I found that the best way to handle them was to hang medals all over them. If I got them cups and awards, they'd kill themselves to produce what I wanted. That's why the Academy Awards was created, said Mayer, according to a biography the Lion of Hollywood. At the first show, nominations were allowed for a single film, multiple films, or without reference to any specific film. As well, both Charlie Chaplin and Warner Brothers were awarded special awards. Chaplin for acting, writing, directing, and producing The Circus, Warner Brothers for producing The Jazz Singer, the pioneering outstanding talking picture which has revolutionized the industry. You would think such high acclaim for the jazz singer would be awarded with Outstanding Picture, but is not even nominated. Let's jump into the three nominees for Outstanding Picture. The three films are all silent pictures, Seventh Heaven, The Racket, and Wings. The Racket had only a single nomination. Wings had two, and Seventh Heaven had five. So let's talk about the movie I enjoyed the least first. Seventh Heaven, directed by Frank Borzage, who took home first Best Director Award, Wrote by Benjamin Glazer, who took home Best Writing Adaptation, stars Charles Farrell and Janet Gaynor. Gaynor also wins Best Actress for her role in this film, along with two others. Charles and Janet starred in 11 other films together and were dubbed America's Favorite Lovebirds. 
If you're keeping track at home, that is all three awards the Seventh Heaven takes home. Now, I can't speak to if I would agree with those, as I've not seen any of the other films in these categories, but it's also not what we're here for. Seventh Heaven is a 1927 silent romantic drama based on the 1922 play Seventh Heaven by Austin Strong. Initially released with a standard silent film in May 1927, in October of that year, Fox Film Corporation re-releases the film with a synchronized movie tone soundtrack with a musical score and sound effects. The film follows Chico, who works in the sewers of Paris. He dreams of becoming a street sweeper, shooting for the stars there. <laughs> we also follow Diane, a young prostitute who is being abused by her sister, and when their chance to improve their living situation doesn't work out, Diane finds herself out on the street. Before the cops can round her up with the rest of the prostitutes, Chico claims that she is his wife. Chico then has Diane move in with him to keep up the act so she isn't taken away, and he doesn't mind the company. I love that Chico at every chance mentions that he's an atheist, as in the past he has prayed to become a street sweeper and to get a wife, but nothing ever came from those prayers. Chico does manage to get the job as a street sweeper and becomes friends with his neighbor and fellow street sweeper, Gobbin. Chico and Diane start to fall for each other, but just as they do, Chico gets called away to the First World War. Before he goes, though, they marry themselves. I guess that's just something that you could do back then. During his wartime, Diane works in an ammunitions factory to do her part. Soon we see what seems to be Chico dying. He tells the priest to tell Diane that he died looking up. At this point, multiple people come to tell Diane that Chico has died. We even see a report on an official documents that he's killed in action. However, Chico shows up to the surprise of everyone. He is blind but still alive. The two lovers reunite as the film ends. I believe I watched this with the standard silent film version because there was only a single looping track that played for the nearly two hour runtime. It drove me nuts. So I would suggest, if you do plan on watching it, to look for the re-released version, which you can find in full on Wikipedia. That being said, I don't think this movie's bad, it's just not that interesting. The story's a slow-going love story where of course these two are going to fall in love once they've moved into the same place together, even if they protest against it. Chico as a character is full of himself, and it is absolutely hilarious the number of times that he mentions being an atheist. Diane is a reserved, abused girl who just kind of does what she's told most of the movie. The first hour is very slow, not very engaging. However, the second half picks up quite a bit once Chico goes off to war, and Diane starts to actually stand up for herself at home. The visuals depicting the war look good, and the back and forth between the war front and the home life is a good dynamic to show for this newlywed couple. However, the ending is the most ridiculous thing. The fake-out death of Chico is so poorly executed, it just comes off super goofy for a serious drama. How is it that every character we're introduced to thinks that he died, only for him to show up as blinded? There's documentation showing that he was killed in action, the priest is literally holding him in his arms during his final moments, so it is absolutely confusing that he still shows up alive at the end of the movie. The film overall is fine, though I would not recommend watching it unless you really want to do the same sort of thing that I'm doing by watching all these nominees. I did enjoy it enough that I would want to watch the 1937 remake starring James Stewart, because as we all know, I love James Stewart, so I think it'd be worth checking out. Next, let's talk about The Racket, a 1928 silent crime drama directed by Lewis Milestone and written by Bartlett Cormack, Tom Miranda, and an uncredited Harry Bent. Produced by Howard Hughes, starring Thomas Meehan, Marie Prevost, and Louis Bullum, adapted from Cormac's 1927 Broadway play of the same name. 
both the film and play were banned at the time from playing in Chicago, due to the fact that the main antagonist, Nick Scarzi, is modeled after Al Capone, while the old man is modeled after Chicago Mayor William Hale Big Bill Thompson. Mayor Thompson is ranked among the most unethical mayors in American history, mainly for his open alliance with Al Capone. The story is about a Chicago police officer named James Mac McQuig, who tries to keep peace in Chicago during Prohibition gang wars, but massive corruption prevents him from doing so. The very beginning of the movie is an attempt on James's life by Scarzi's men, but Nick Scarzi seems to be on friendly terms with Mac. Sort of a keep your friends close but your enemies closer situation? James learns that Scarzi is planning on jumping another gang in the middle of a crowded area. James and a handful of officers show up and a shootout occurs. During all of this, James arrests one of Scarzi's men, who is quickly released when all charges are dropped because of the old man. James goes to a speakeasy to attend a birthday party he was invited to by Nick Scarzi for his younger brother Joe. He promises to get Nick eventually. During this time, a rival gang leader shows up and there's a standoff, with Scarzi managing to kill the other gang leader. James and some other police officers handle the situation and arrest Scarzi, but again he gets out when the murder weapon can't be located. James then gets transferred to the sticks, seemingly to get him out of Scarzi's hair. However, Scarzi's younger brother Joe, while out on the town with a lady named Helen that he met at the speakeasy, ends up in a hit-and-run situation in James's jurisdiction. Nick learns of this and shows up on his own. He kills a police officer who refuses to take a bribe because gangsters banged his old man. I'm not sure they thought about how differently that could possibly sound to a modern audience. James arrests Nick, as well as tears up a habeas corpus right when it is brought to him. Helen, with the help of a young reporter she has fallen in love for, manages to trick Scarzi into confessing. With Nick's confession, the old man and the district attorney turn on him to stay in power. They tr trick Nick into trying to escape and shoot McQuig with an empty gun before they kill him themselves. This film is a lot of fun. Being a product of its time has made it unintentionally hilarious at points. From the sped up action scenes to the dialogue about banging their old man, I was also very impressed with the sets and some of the work with extras here. There are a lot of shots with loads of extras doing all sorts of things in the background and it just looks great. The story works well too. Sure, it's pretty basic, but the game of cat and mouse between James and Nick plays out well with them being basically frenemies. If silent films aren't for you, Good news, they've remade this in 1951, so you have that option. I can't speak about the 1951 version, but I had a lot of fun with this movie. The final film in this first year is 1927's Wings. Wings wins Best Picture and is the first of only six films to win Best Picture without getting a Best Director nomination, Coda being the most recent. Directed by William A. Wellman, with screenplay by Hope Loring and Louis D. Lighton. Starring Clara Bow, Charles Buddy Rogers, not the nature boy, and Richard Arlen, and Gary Cooper in a small role. The film was made to accommodate Bo, Paramount's biggest star at the time. Wellman was hired as he was the only director in Hollywood at the time who had World War I combat pilot experience. The movie was shot on location at Kelly Field in San Antonio, Texas, for $2 million, nearly $30.61 million in 2021, it used hundreds of extras, including some 300 pilots. Pilots and planes from the United States Army Air Corps were brought in for filming, assistance, and supervision. 
Acclaimed for its technical prowess and realism upon release, the film became the yardstick against which all future aviation films are actually measured, mostly because of the realistic air combat. The film follows Jack Powell and David Armstrong, two men from the same small town. Jack loves Sylvia, while Sylvia loves David. This causes Jack to think that they're rivals. Jack fails to realize that Mary, the girl next door, is actually in love with him. The two men enlist to become pilots in the First World War. On leaving, Jack mistakenly takes a photo of Sylvia, thinking it was meant for him, when she actually meant it for David. During training, Jack and David get roomed together, and while they're doing training and having a boxing match, they come to admire each other and grow close as friends. After graduating, they get sent to France. During this time, Mary joins the war effort and becomes an ambulance driver. Jack and David become renowned ace pilots. During a leave that they get in Paris, Mary finds out that all pilots are being called back. She finds Jack drunk, so much so that he doesn't actually recognize her. She gets dressed up and gets him back into a room, where he ends up passing out. While she's getting dressed back into her uniform, the military police catch her, and she is forced to resign her position and go back home. David and Jack eventually fight when the photo of Sylvia is revealed. David rips it apart. As the two go off on a mission during the Battle of St. Mihail, David is shot down and presumed dead. Jack finishes the mission and is heading back. However, David has survived the crash and sneaks onto a German biplane and takes off on his way back to the Allied side. While flying back, Jack sees the German plane. Not knowing it is David, he shoots him down, causing David to crash into a building. Jack lands his plane and goes and cuts off the Iron Cross as a souvenir from the plane, when he gets called to come inside by a resident. He finds out that it was David dying from his wounds. David forgives Jack, and they kiss. After the war, Jack returns home and visits David's parents to ask for forgiveness for what happened. Eventually, when he goes home, he runs into Mary along the way, and he realizes that he loves Mary. And that's the end of the film. The practical effects for this film are amazing. The air combat scenes are a spectacle to watch, as well as the shots of planes crashing and bombs dropping on buildings. All of it looks great. I will say, I think the scene in Paris where Jack is drunk is the worst part of this film. There's these animated bubbles showing up and stuff, and it's really goofy for this otherwise serious drama. And in a two-hour and 20-minute movie, when that scene maybe takes up 15, 20 minutes, you can pretty much scrap all of it, though there is a cool shot in the beginning of it. However, everything else going on in this movie is great. The leads all do really well, and the story is good and emotional. The film has some notable scenes as well. From being one of the first widely released films to show nudity, both male and female, to the kiss between the two leads at the end of the film. Even if you don't take it as anything more than brotherly love, it's still interesting to see in such an old movie. Also, it's pretty crazy to just learn some behind-the-scenes things about this film. Over the long course of nine months that it took to complete this movie, the cast and crew had a lot of downtime on their hands, and according to the director, San Antonio became the Armageddon of a magnificent sexual Donnybrook, claiming all the elevator girls at the hotel were pregnant by time they ended. Clara Bow also openly flirted with other actors and pilots, starting a tumultuous affair with Gary Cooper after having just got engaged to Victor Fleming the day after getting to San Antonio. Seems behind the scenes were pretty wild. 
All of that being said, Wings is well deserving of winning the first Best Picture when compared to the other two nominees. This does things that are still impressive to this day. All the aerial combat is interesting to watch, the story is compelling, and while I do think it's about 20 minutes too long, it keeps you engaged the whole time. This is well worth seeing, especially if you're interested in any sort of film history. Next time, we're going to be discussing the second Academy Awards, where five films were nominated, including the only nominee that is a lost film. Thanks for listening. If you learned something, let me know. If you have any sort of recommendations or things that I could potentially do to improve this, let me know. And I hope to see you again for the next one. Goodbye.